Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb and as always I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you, sir, on this balmy Thursday afternoon? I'm doing well. Uh, just trying to stay cool. Little little early podcast weather talk for you. Yeah. Hey, how was uh, <laughs> how was your trip? Weather weather is hot on the mind because I spent five days in Southern California. So uh, <laughs> and I just got back last night. And so uh, honestly, it was hotter walking off the plane at 3 a.m. last night, which I won't get into that. Shout out to Southwest Airlines for that. But uh, it was hotter getting off the plane at 3 a.m. than it ever was in Santa Barbara this weekend. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're about to hit for the media cycle at the beginning of the yeah. pod. We went, what am I missing? Airline, weather. <laughs> what I mean, shoot, what realignment talk. We, yeah, we right. That. Well, we're going to get into that. I can almost yeah. guarantee you. But no, how was your how was your July 4th weekend? It was good. I, I mentioned on the pod last week that we were staying in town. Uh, normally we will go to the lake or go out of town for the 4th of July, but we stayed in town and kind of kept it low key, but it was, it was really fun. I'm, I'm glad you had a good time though. Jealous of your trip. Yeah, we, we had a great time. I'm glad you guys did too. I mean, there, the options were limited in Oklahoma with how hot it's been. You're either in the pool oh, or yeah. you're inside or you're at the lake. Like that's, those are your three options. Yeah. We played golf on oh, Sunday and almost died. Uh, I played All four golf. of us almost died. I played golf on Saturday and I started the day with a pullover on. So if that gives Whoa. you any, any idea as to, I mean, it was 55 degrees at tea time and about 73 by the time oh, we walked I thought off you were 18. just trying to be like a hard L. Oh like no, no, no. <laughs> in a hundred degrees. Yeah, so, no, 105 degrees. And I no, <laughs> no, it was 55 uh, at eight o'clock in the morning in California. So <laughs> that's um, yeah, not, not bragging. Amazing. It's just, that's just the facts. So anyway, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, glad you guys had a great fourth. We did uh, as well, and uh, there's a lot to get to. It is a loaded agenda, and again, we have we have reverted back into our uh, football podcast. We have metamorphosized back into a football podcast. I mean, Dustin, let's just kick it off with this. The preseason All Big Twelve team was just released yesterday. We also have the preseason poll that came out today that we need to talk about as well. But for the All Big Twelve team, first team additions from Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders, Colin Oliver, and Jason Taylor. Your reaction to that? I think it's pretty spot on with what we were thinking. I think so, too. I, I was thinking Spencer Sanders was almost a guarantee to be on most of these first-team All-Big 12 lists just because he was the first-team All-Big 12 quarterback last year, coming back again with a lot of weapons on offense, even though he's losing some, even though there's some offensive line uncertainties it's kind of tough with the rest of the big 12 quarterback class this year to not have him there. Colin Oliver, if he wasn't on there, I would have been shocked. And then Jason Taylor, the playmaker, he not a surprise to me at all. There's some guys who maybe I thought would have shown up that maybe aren't, but I'm not completely shocked at 
how any of this turned out. What about you? No, I'm, I'm not either. There are a couple guys that, I mean, we can even get to here now that I think may have had a case to be there, but the people in front of them are, are really solid. And so, you know, the one that I, I felt like I might have been missing from this list or actually let's do this, Dustin. I, okay. I don't know if there was a notable snub. I do think the guy that will be there at the end of the year is trace Ford. I think he could flank Colin Oliver and you could have two first team, all big 12, uh, defensive ends for Oklahoma state. I think because of the injury, people aren't thinking about it. Yeah. I completely agree with you because of the injury, I think the other thing there that kind of ties in with what you just said, going along with the injury is because it's Martin Oliver and Ford. I don't know if the media is really a hundred percent sure how many snaps everybody's going to get. A lot of them probably aren't sure if Derek Mason is going to go with that two down two Leo look that he showed at Auburn. So I, I understand why they only went with the Colin Oliver when you've got a Martin and a Ford on there. But I think that's I think that's a great call with with Trace Ford. I definitely think he could show up. Another guy who I think is going to pop up on there and a guy who I think is going to be a high high round NFL draft pick is Tyler Lacey. Yeah, I, I love that. It's interesting when you look at the defensive line. I mean, <laughs> there's some guys uh, on this Big 12 preseason poll. Siaki Ika. We're very familiar with him. Will McDonald, also very familiar with him. And Felix Anudike Uzoma from Kansas State, not as familiar with him, but is also a beast, um, has shown a lot in his time there. I mean, I really Dante don't. still has been there for nine years at West I, Virginia. Right. No kidding. I really don't think uh, any of those guys are like wrongfully there. I actually can say that going down the list, I think this, this preseason list is very um accurate when you start especially going down the running backs Bijan robinson and deuce vaughn makes perfect sense xavier hutchinson quentin johnson and xavier worthy on the wide receiver spot so i really don't know of anybody that like is there that shouldn't be there or is not there yeah i i saw i think i think it was robert allen on pokes report cody nagel might have done one on 247 but they both kind of put out some predictions. I think there might've even been one on pistols firing. And I don't think any of them were very far off of the actual media <laughs> list. So it, may, it, it, it makes sense that it wasn't completely shocking. I mean, there was someone there, you know, kind of moved in and out, like you just said, but Kate, give me a, if you don't mind, give me a hot take defense guy from Oklahoma state and hot take offense guy Ooh. that you could see maybe becoming first team. And it, I'm not going to hold you to this. I just want you to give me a hot take guy. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Um, I let's starting on offense. The guy that I think could be there. I'll go with Brennan Presley. You know, my opinion about him. I just think volume. Love it. I just think volume and he could make enough big plays in special teams and on the offensive side to, to crack that top spot. Um, and my hot take on the defensive side Mm, I, I want to say it. I'm going to say it. It's Xavier Benson. I love it. You, do you? I mean, what, what's, yeah. what are yours? No, I, I love Xavier Benson. And I love the Brennan Presley call. Brennan Presley, I'm not going to lie to you. That's kind of cheating because he could show up at that KRPR spot as well. But I'm going to let you take it. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. And we would be remiss if we didn't even mention this and, and rib our rival. One all Big 12 mention for the Oklahoma Sooners. And that position is punter. So, which, okay, you know how I feel about that position. 
never punt. That's that's gonna be your stance on it. But no, I mean, it's not usual that a Big Twelve uh, list looks like this in the preseason, where you've got, I mean, a peppering of Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and one Oklahoma player on the offense and defensive side of the football. And really, I, I don't know who you would point out as missing, like Marvin Mims. But there's a lot of reasons that that guy's not on on this top list right now. So. Yeah, and Kate, before I give my hot take ones, since you brought up that point, I'll just give you the breakdown real quick of number of players on these teams by team in the Big 12. So you got Kansas State with six, Baylor with five, Iowa State with four, West Virginia with four, Oklahoma State with three, Texas with three, TCU with two, KU with one, and like you said, OU has one. The only unanimous selections were running back, were both the running backs, Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson, which I don't think should be a shock to anybody. And then there's obviously multiple players who either made first team, second team, or were honorable mention last year that kind of showed back up on this list, which normally happens right. for the returning guys. So it's kind of a easy way for the media to throw some dudes on there. If they, if they made a team last year, yeah. not, not taking a shot, just saying that's probably what I would do. <laughs> uh, okay. So, okay. Let me give you my, let me give you my hot take guys on offense. Not the sexiest pick, but I'm going to go with Hunter Woodard. If he can stay healthy, I think he's one of the better offensive linemen. In the Big I love that pick. And I don't feel like that's a hot take. No, I love that pick. And honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Nice call. The problem with offensive line, though, is because, because it's a media poll and, you know, there's coaches one stuff like that. You kind of have to have the entire offensive line play well to give it to one of these specific offensive line. Right. When it's offensive line, they do have a lot of the PFF stats now that help out. But back in the day, that was basically you just if the offensive line was good, you were just going to take the guy you thought was the best lineman on that team. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there with how we think the offensive line is going to be for Oklahoma State. But I'm still going to go with Woodard. And on the defense, Cade, Kendall Daniels. Yeah, I, I knew you were. Gonna <laughs> I don't say even that. know for sure if he's the if he's a one safety. We think he's going to be. That's where we have him in our depth chart. But I just, I'm not going to not be able to mention him at least five times every podcast. Well, I'm excited to talk with you about that depth chart because after looking at the secondary, the two deep, I have some thoughts and I have uh, something that may surprise you. But that's later in the podcast when we break down the defensive side of the football in our depth chart preview. So look, look forward to that. Um, Dustin, I mean, anything else on that preseason list? I did want to get your opinion uh, really quickly on the Big 12 preseason poll, if you're, if you're ready for that. Yeah, yeah, let's move to it. Well, so just looking down the list, Baylor tops it at uh, 17 first-place votes, and number two in the preseason poll is Oklahoma, and quickly followed by Oklahoma State at number three, Texas at four, Kansas State at five, Iowa State at six, TCU at seven, West Virginia eight, nine, Texas Tech, and then 10, Kansas. Dustin, I mean, what what's your reaction to that? It seems like nobody's really sure who's going to win this conference. That's, that's a lot of spreading of first-place votes. Again, Baylor with 17, Oklahoma with 12, Oklahoma State with nine, Texas with two, and Iowa State with one. Drunk. Yeah, which, which <laughs> who did that? Let's figure out who that person was and have them on the podcast. Let's, let's figure out who that person was and drug test them. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, Dustin, your thoughts on the poll uh, overall? Kate, I think the only – so the only issue I have maybe at the top is I think Baylor and Oklahoma State, 
I think they're probably my one, two in, in any, in either order. I think both of those teams are maybe just a step above the rest right now. And the only reason I think I don't have OU up there with them is because you've got Dylan Gabriel coming in at quarterback, not saying Dylan Gabriel's a bad quarterback, just his first, first year moving into the big 12 from UCF. You got a brand new coach. You had a lot of the coaching staff leave. You had a lot of players leave on defense. I, I just, there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I know there's a lot of uncertainty with Oklahoma state as well. They lost, they lost some players on defense. There's some offensive line issues. They lost Jalen Warren, Tay Martin, but I just think there's a little bit more uncertainty with OU. So I have them kind of at that three spot. And then I think I have K-State above Texas until Texas shows me something. And then six through nine, I, Iowa state TCU, West Virginia, Texas tech. I have literally no idea. And yeah, I, I'm good with Kansas at 10. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I think I agree with you completely. I would flip Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I really don't know how um, Oklahoma with one preseason Big 12, all Big 12 selection ends up at number two with 12 first place votes. That must be an assumption that Dylan Gabriel, some guys on the offense, some guys on the defense, maybe not today are all Big 12, but by the end of the season, prove themselves to be that that's the only way I think you would put Oklahoma above Oklahoma state right now, because for all of Oklahoma state's unknowns, Oklahoma is unknown at almost every position, including head coach. So uh, it is, I don't see how they're going to call out. That is a good call out because it's the media doing both polls. So, well, it's the same people. And so how do you get to that point is what I don't understand. And that's my guess because again, they, they put one OU player, on the all big 12 list. And, and yet you give 12 preseason first place votes to that same team who you just said doesn't have any star power. So again, that's gotta be an assumption that those players develop, or at least we can't say for certain today that they're great, but now they are. Anyway, I'm talking about OU too much. Sorry. My point to doing all that is that they should not be ahead of Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state is unproven in a couple of areas, but we know a lot about that area it's being the secondary like we're going to talk about them later but there's some star power there that should give you know the voters some some reassurance so i really don't understand oklahoma at two i don't understand texas at four i actually would have them flip-flopped with k-state just like you did and really the only prevailing thought i have is i don't know how in the world you could possibly vote iowa state at, at as the the big 12 champion today they they don't return really anybody um from that team that barely made a bowl game. So I, I don't see that at all. Um, Dustin, any other thoughts on, uh, on the big 12 lists? We normally don't do that, but uh, it's topical right now. I think, I, I don't think I have any more. Like I said, I, I really have no idea on that six through nine, where those teams are going to end up. I think it could flip flop all over the place. And I'm not saying I'm certain on one through five, but I, I just, Iowa state, you know, TCU returns a pretty like a lot of people but they weren't very good so I don't know how that really helps you West Virginia JT Daniels coming in at quarterback I like Neil Brown as a head coach I just haven't really seen it from him Texas Tech new coach I don't think they're going to be very good I don't know if they're going to be the second worst team in the Big 12 but I don't think they're going to could go up any higher than like sixth at the highest so it's a little bit of all over the place in that kind of lower middle part of the big 12 in my opinion you know it's it's 
one thing that jumps out to me is just how much TCU has taken a dip in the last couple of years. I mean, they have finished middle or bottom of the pack the last three years, and now they're predicted number seven in this poll. I mean, I think they could surprise some people, but I don't think they're the sleeper team in this conference. I think that's Kansas State. But it's just kind of shocking to see TCU just hanging out in the middle, bottom of this conference for the last several years. Um, And I don't really think that changes this year. So that's really kind of the only other thing that I wanted to run past you, see your thoughts on. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it is definitely odd to see them, a, a team that with Gary Patterson, when they were running on all cylinders, was a really, really yeah, solid I mean, football team. Trayvon Boykin had him up to number two uh, preseason, if you remember that. So, yeah, cra- crazy. Um, Dustin, a couple of other things to run through. Rob Glass getting a five-year contract extension and becoming the first millionaire uh, head strength coach, uh, whatever you would call that position, in college football. I mean, and well-deserved. Dustin, your thoughts? Yeah, I believe his official title is Assistant Athletic Director of Athletic Performance. Wow, athlete twice. The A-A-D-O-A-P for short. (laughs) Rolls off the tongue. (laughs) Yeah, that, okay, that is wild. One million, I mean, not wild, like I think Rob Glass doesn't deserve that. Just seeing that number for a strength coach, one million annually. He's now the second highest paid assistant on Gundy's staff behind Derek Mason, who's set to make 1.1. I think the contract actually already went into effect. Scott Wright of the Oklahoman wrote the article recently, but I believe this contract went into effect in February. He's Rob Glass is just, I mean, he's been here as long as Gundy. It's his 18th year of his second stint at OSU 28th year overall. He joined the Cowboys staff in 1986 as a graduate assistant under Pat Jones. He was named the strength coach in 1989. Then he went over to Florida for a little bit. He was with Florida from 1998 until Gundy was the head coach in 2005. So he was with Florida for some solid teams. He coached, he was the strength coach there when Danny Warfel won the Heisman. So he's been, he was on some good Florida teams as well. Official, I mean, not officially, but unofficially, the next highest strength coach coach contract is Ohio State's Mickey Mariotti who's making a little over 800k last season so it's pretty wild that he's up to a million but I think he deserves it we've seen what he can do we've seen the players kind of talk about him you know body by glass even after they're in the NFL after they've graduated from Oklahoma State you know Gundy wouldn't keep him around if the guys and players didn't like him whenever transfers come in they always mention the stadium steps, some different things that he does in his summer workouts that are different from the school they transferred from. So I think it's pretty awesome. I think so too. And I look at just the way Mike Gundy talks about how they evaluate and then develop talent. That development piece is Rob Glass. Like he's putting them in the weight room, putting them on nutrition plans and turning three stars into four and five stars. And that's what has gotten Oklahoma state to this point. And I mean, Rob glass outside of Boone Pickens and Mike Gundy and a couple of uh, some Des Bryant, Brandon Whedon's, I mean, Rob glass is on the like backup Mount Rushmore of the oh, last a statue of, of the last 20 at? years of Oklahoma state football. He's an integral piece of it. And I mean, I, I don't know if you build him a statue, <laughs> but maybe we name the weight room after him at least. No, I, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but that was those were great points. You're 100% right. He, he is 
a key component of this Oklahoma State football team. He's one of the things that makes this Gundy-led Oklahoma State football team what it is. It gives it part of its identity. It's it's crazy. I, I'm glad I'm glad he got it. It's awesome that he's an Oklahoma State guy. He's been here for that long. Like I said, the players seem to really like him. You know, Gundy wouldn't keep him around if so. And I think it's cool. You know, him and Gundy seem to have a really good relationship. It's nice to have that kind of guy on your staff who not only does a good job, but who you can kind of trust and rely on to kind of help you through, you know, the strength and conditioning decisions, the program through the summer, getting these guys in shape. You don't have to worry about that aspect, which I'm sure Gundy loves to take that kind of kind of ease of mind for him in that aspect of the football program. So it's pretty awesome. Cade. So I have the other coaches salaries up right now. Did you want me to run through those really quick? Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear the top ones. Okay, so you got Derek Mason at one point, or this is just the Oklahoma State staff. You got Derek Mason at 1.1, Rob Glass now at 1 million a year, Casey Dunn at 900K. Then it goes down from there to Joe Bob Clements at 600, Dickey's at 600, Tim Duffy at 550, Hammer at 450, McIndoo at 425, Wozniak at 425, Retay at 400, and then Greg Richmond at 350. Can we get Greg Richmond a little bump? I think he just got one, but can we bump him again? Yeah, a little bit would be nice. Dustin, thanks for running through that. Nobody really jumps out at me, but uh, yeah, Greg Richmond, nice call for sure. Um, one of my favorite things, and we've, we've done this already with the early enrollees, is to talk about the new numbers for the newcomers. And Dustin, I mean, looking at this list here, I mean, I, I know my favorite. I can probably guess your favorite too. So let's just say it all together. Braylon Presley, Presley. at number one. Wearing number, number one. one as a true freshman is pretty slick. He's going to look too fast. Like they I might mean, make him change numbers. It's he's <laughs> he really might. He's going to look like Deuce Vaughn wearing number one out there. And, and when he's wearing all black, it's going to look like he's a blur. I can't yeah. wait. It's so awesome. I do love uh, I do love. DeAndre Jackson with number four. I like the running back single digits always have. I think DeAndre Glass. Yeah. uh, Jalen Warren wore seven and DeAndre Glass, our old friend was also supposed to wear number four, but we literally never saw him wear it. So um, this was a good one and it will help me not call DeAndre Jackson Des because number four and number 27 are very different. So I will be able to handle that. A couple of other interesting ones that you and I talked about. Stefan Johnson, number six, very good, very good number for a little slot receiver. Um, Deshaun Brown at number 87 and Landon Dean at number 88. So you've got two edge players, you know, potentially some outside linebackers in the 80s there, and you're shaking your head. I'm not a fan either. It's not great. I know, I know you pointed out, obviously, Tyler Lacey's 89. I don't know why I don't like 88 and 87. I don't like either of them. I love Deshaun Brown and Landon Dean. Landon Dean was wearing 77 and switched to 88. So he was 77 on the spring roster. Yeah. But he's the only one on here too that isn't someone that just got there. He was a spring guy. He just switched numbers. So we threw him on here. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of those. I do like Jaleel Johnson, number 95. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then our guy Saletti, number 97. I was worried he he maybe changed his mind about coming to Oklahoma state because we hadn't I had seen, well, I had seen he was supposed to come in in the spring and he never did. And now he's there. 
So yeah. that that's good to know. He's number 97. Yeah, an interior defensive line piece there. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I had Brennan Presley as a surefire uh, candidate to receive the number one because I don't know if you've noticed this. The younger guys will come in. They'll get a not-so-flashy number. And then by the time they're sophomores or juniors, that number becomes available and they take it. Tylen Wallace, I think, was number 80 early in his career and took number two when it became available. Uh, Tay Martin was number four and then went to one. And then I thought Brennan was going to go number one, but he gave it to his younger brother. So uh, maybe they raced for it and Braylon beat him. That would be great if they did. Uh, <laughs> and I, do, do you think we're going to get a Brennan and Braylon back returning kicks this year? I mean, what do you do if you're an opposing team? That would be awesome. I, I, I think it's going to be like a Jaden Nixon or somebody back there with him, just since Braylon's help true freshman. Yeah. But, but we will we'll see. Maybe we'll see it a couple times this season, and the crowd probably won't realize it because it's a kickoff. But <laughs> look back on it after the game when it's returned for a touchdown, and then yeah, right. we'll celebrate right. then. Well, it's I good do, stuff. Kate, I think my last note is, Casey Collier, Calvin Harvey, and Jason Brooks are 71, 72, 73. I like that. I like, I like it that too. they're just in order. Right just like, give me whatever. I'm going to come in and block. We need that. <laughs> they don't even pick. They were just given those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, quite a few things to run through still. Big 12 media days next week. Representation from Oklahoma State includes Spencer Sanders, Brock Martin. Anything you're looking for next week in that? I think Brendan Presley's there as well. And I've, I've got the fourth one, but I've, I've misplaced Spencer it. Sanders? Yeah, Spencer Sanders. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like that it's Sanders, Presley, Martin, and Lacey. I think those are, you know, sometimes teams will send guys that are more leaders, but maybe not big-time players. I think sending Spencer Sanders, Brendan Presley, Brock Martin, and Tyler Lacey, those are – four really big time players on your offense and defense Four really dynamic guys. So I think those are, those are good players to send. Gundy's always a lot of fun. I believe he'll be talking on Wednesday, July 13th. So he'll be going the first day uh, along with the players. So we'll, that'll be cool at Cowboy stadium in Arlington. Not you never get a ton. There's a lot of coach speak coming from these things. We will probably have to break it down Cade the week after, since we're recording next Tuesday, so we'll be hitting that in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I never, I'm never looking forward to anything me, me super either. exciting coming from these. Yeah. And I just want to say, we're not there doing a live pod. So I don't really know what's, you know, uh, to get excited about what you have outside right. of that. So one thing I will say, it's a tradition for big 12 media day. I am always looking at Mike Gundy's body language because you can always tell how he feels about a team by how he approaches Big 12 Media Day. He does not hide that very well. And he's not he's, hiding it very well right now. No, he's not. He's shirtless on Instagram. <laughs> he's doing one arm push ups. I feel like we're going to get a really raw Mike Gundy next week. He just shows up in like a tank top with a beer, a bush light, or, or brings the mullet back. That's something I'm oh. looking out for. Is it back? Is kind of what I'm curious to see. Did, what it, now I'm, I, I tweeted out that picture. It looked a little long. The, it did look long. I was going back to our Twitter to look at it. I said he was feeling a little like 45 and because it looks like he is. <laughs> it's a great, great tweet as well. You can't but, really tell from that one. I can't, I can't remember if you can tell from the push-up one, but I think you're right. It does look a little long. It's a little long and a little curly, uh, <laughs> which is what I'm really 
I mean, once I starts curling for Mike, you, you all bets are off. So, <laughs> all right. A couple of other things. We, we talked a lot about this last week because it is the hottest story uh, even still today is, is this conference realignment saga. USC, UCLA, the next domino to fall. But one thing I wanted to chat with you about, Dustin, is just this constant chatter of the possibility, really two things. One, a possible alliance with Pac-12 schools and the ACC. That seems to be an option on the table. Another one that maybe is more concrete and has been reported on is the idea of the Big 12 poaching, not four, but six Pac-12 teams. So the four we talked about last week, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, and the two that I said, if it's going to, if this is going to work, the Big 12 has to have these two, Oregon and Washington. So really, Dustin, I mean, <laughs> have you given this more thought since last week? And if so, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I think the one thing here is it seems that there are multiple reports saying the Big 12 meeting with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. It's still not 100% concrete information when you see multiple people reporting from different outlets i mean they could all be getting the information from the same exact person but it it makes you feel like maybe that that is happening that part is happening yeah the oregon and washington stuff that would be awesome i'm i'm a little hesitant because i just don't i don't know why the pac-12 teams wouldn't just wait to see kind of what the new tv deal would even be for the Pac-12, how much money they would get, and then make a decision. It seems like it might be smarter for them to wait, but I'm not, again, I'm not 100% sure on that, even making that statement, because I don't know all the ins and outs of their TV deal and the negotiations there. On the other hand, the other part you mentioned, the ACC Pac-12 loose partnership with the kind of championship game between the two, that just seems dumb to me. That doesn't seem, the ACC they, yeah, I, I mean, what is a championship like game for what? Football. Yeah, like, yeah, they're they're like the worst TV viewership out of all the conferences. So I don't know why you would want to do that with them, and why you wouldn't just kind of want to merge the Pac-12 teams. Wouldn't just want to come over to the Big 12 or some form some kind of merger there. But yeah, it, it's interesting. Again, still haven't seen anything that makes me feel like there's any certainty to any of these reports. I saw. There was a report that came out from a guy that writes a swim blog for, for college swimming. <laughs> yeah. And who knows what, what any of this stuff is. I, I'm not, you know, making fun of him. I respect that he's writing about college swimming. It's just, I don't know who to believe. Yeah, totally agree with you. Here's what, you know, one kind of comment to what you said. I think if you're Oregon and Washington, it might make sense to wait. I think Oregon and Washington are in a similar situation to Oklahoma State um and Oklahoma State I I think like those three are going to have options regardless because Oklahoma State Oregon and Washington have a sizable gap in between the next like tier in their conference in terms of viewership I think if you are Arizona Arizona State Utah uh Oregon State Washington State Colorado you have to be feeling pretty antsy I, I, I don't think that market for like Colorado, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, I don't think that they're going to be feeling very good about things. And I think they should be aggressive in trying to join the Big 12. 
And I think the big 12 should be aggressive in saying if it's four, we need six um, because I think they need Oregon and Washington to not dilute the, the future big 12 with just more programs. Like we are headed towards three major conferences, potentially two, but at the very least we're headed to three. And that I think the, the big 12 could be proactive and take six or Here's something crazy that I've been thinking a lot about. And I know you love this conversation, but I'll wrap it up with this. Could the Big 12 be proactive? I mean, in joining with the Pac-12 leftovers and the ACC leftovers, presuming that a Clemson, Florida State, Miami end up breaking off and going to the SEC. If that happens, I would bet, I would bet money that the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 join to become the first, like, 26, 28, 30-team conference and be proactive in that regard. But I think it takes one more domino to fall, and I think it's that one. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. I mean, if that happened, that would be wild. But I'm like you said, I can definitely see it. The The thing with Oregon and Washington, to your point, is you just worry about them saying, yeah, we'll we'll join and then – bolting for the oh, big for 10 sure. later so totally a possibility uh, and here's the deal oklahoma state would do the same thing yeah like you yeah, know what 100%. i mean like they're in the big 12 today but if the sec comes calling oklahoma state is gone like yeah i, I fully believe that so um anyway we'll wrap it up with that i'm sure we've got questions about it and uh anyway it'll be an ongoing topic of discussion because it seems like every day there is some hot story coming out so it'll be it'll be interesting to follow Dustin, let's roll right into it. I am excited to break down the defensive depth chart with you. Uh, I think we are in full agreement on this, but I have some thoughts about it. So why don't you run through it for us, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll do it like we did last time. We'll talk about the first string, and then we can come back and do the second string. So we've got – I just went ahead and put Brock Martin, Colin Oliver – Trace Ford at the Leo. They're the first and second string. I think those guys are going to be rotating in. We can talk about some others in the mix, but just count that as the first string defensive in Leo spot. Then we're going to go two defensive tackles. So Brendan Evers and Sione C. And then at the other defensive end, the kind of hand in the ground defensive end is linebackers. We've got Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson at the corners, Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black. And then the three safeties, Thomas Harper, Kendall Daniels, Jason Taylor. Your thoughts, Kate? Yeah. So I've been excited to talk about this because that depth chart looks great. That that first string looks like a Big 12 championship winning defense. And I only say that because you have Thomas Harper, Kendall Daniels, and Jason Taylor. Kendall Daniels is a little bit of a wild card, but Thomas Harper and Jason Taylor at the safety spot are knowns. They are known yeah. commodities. Sean Michael Flanagan, Trey Rucker have all played. So you've got four really well-known commodities at the safety spot, and Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black have shown enough. Like, they have played enough. And so as I'm looking at this first-string depth chart, I am now all in. <laughs> Like, yeah, when you look at it on the whole, when you look at it, like collectively, that's a big 12 championship winning defense potentially. And I I know there's question marks to the linebacker spot because Benson is new to Oklahoma state and Cobb didn't get a ton of run last season, but everything we've heard from Cobb, he's looked amazing. 
And then we know Xavier Vincent can play in the Big 12. He did it at Texas Tech and performed really well. And even the, the JUCO ranks performed really well. So I, I don't I, I think there's there's obviously swaps you could make on the defensive line with C, I mean, particularly yeah. probably Sionia C. There's there's maybe you know Kendall Daniels swapped out for one of the other guys you mentioned just to start the season. But I think I think the Leos the linebackers and the corners are and Tyler Lacey are pretty set in stone. Do you disagree with that at all? No, I don't disagree with that. The only, we can get to the second string. My really only thought is on the second string um, with in, with that defensive line, but I love Sione C right there. Brennan Evers. I think those are, those are pretty much set in stone. So let's run through the second string real quick, and then we'll talk about some guys who maybe could pop into the first string and some guys who can maybe pop into the second string from some of the others in the mix. And I'll, I'll read through our others in the mix as well uh, after. Love it. So I'm not going to throw a Leo here. I can just talk about some other guys who are in the mix because I think Martin, Oliver, and Ford are going to get all of the snaps. But yep. some other guys in the mix, Tyron Irby, Israel Usman-Hundley, Ben Kapinski, my guy, Deshaun Brown. At defensive tackle in the second string, I've got Aiden Kelly and Samuela Tuahalamaka. And at the defensive end spot behind Tyler Lacey, I've got Cody Walterscheid. The two linebackers, Lamont Bishop and Nick Martin. At corners, DeKelvian Beeman and DeMarco Jones. At safety, Trey Rucker, Sean Michael Flanagan, and Lyric Rawls. So, Cade, let's run, let's talk about the second string and then we can talk about some other guys in the mix. Yeah. So I like the second string. I'll say it gets pretty thin at the corner spot, which is, I think, what we've talked about. Um, I think you have some known guys in Muhammad and Corey Black, but once you get past them, DeKelvian Beeman and DeMarco Jones have not played much um, at all. And so that's a concern for me. Aiden Kelly backing up Brendan Evers is a question mark for me. I've heard, we've heard great things. I do wonder though, we just talked about him. Saletti, he's, he's coming in with some real experience and I think could be somebody that pushes Aiden Kelly for that, that backup spot at defensive tackle. We've, we've seen it years now. I mean, under Jim Knowles and potentially with Derek Mason, how much they rotate guys in though. So you could see a lot of, a lot of players who we're not talking about right now in the mix the only other th- question I have is really for you, like Nick Martin at that linebacker spot behind Xavier Benson. I like it. What do we know about Donovan Stevens? I mean, we've heard good things, right? Seems like a guy that could contribute, but do you think Nick Martin like really has that kind of wrapped up? I think the only, the only guys that are for sure at linebacker right now, from what I've heard, are Cobb and Benson, and then Bishop is like in a tier of his own behind them. Yeah, I can and see I that. And I think to your point, I think Nick Martin, you know, there's some of these guys play different linebacker positions. They'll play the weak side of the middle spot. But along with Nick Martin, there's a Jeff Robertson. There's Donovan mm. Stevens, who you mentioned. There's Madrian Dizadere, our guy Gabe Brown coming in. So there's there's several guys competing right there. I do think Nick Martin – Yeah is your second string linebacker there, but I don't know why a guy like Stevens or even a Robertson or Dizadere couldn't compete for that spot and, and work their way in to your yeah. point. As you broke it down, I, I like how you have it. I was just curious really about Donovan Stevens. Cause it seems like he's the most physically ready potentially out of that next tier of players. So 
Um, I, I love what you have here. So some, let's go back to that defensive tackle spot that you pointed out. Cause I thought that was a great call out. I'm going with Aiden Kelly there. Truthfully, truthfully though. And that's all on the upside and what we're hearing. It would not shock me if the second guy off the bench in that spot was Xavier Ross, mm. because we saw him last year backing up Jernigan. Nice he was the guy behind Jernigan. So I don't know why he would just all of a sudden move to the third string. I just kind of got on the Aiden Kelly hype train. Another guy, Colin Clay. Man, that's a good – Xavier Ross and Colin Clay are two names to look for. I mean, I completely forgot about Colin Clay, to be quite honest with you. He could play. There's another guy who's a walk-on currently, transfer from Arkansas, Solomon Wright. It would not shock me if you saw Solomon Wright out there a few times this season. He's uh he's Kenyatta Wright's son, isn't he? He is. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Cause Oklahoma state was in on him out of, out of high school and he picked Arkansas and then walked on at Oklahoma state. Forgot about that. Some quality depth there. You pointed out Jaden Jernigan. I mean, that, that starting defensive line with Jaden Jernigan would be a nightmare. For, yeah. He's... But I think, I think they've got, a really nice unit there, but Jaden Jernigan, I mean, that's still a head scratcher to me. I think you could see all seven guys we mentioned rotating in on the defensive line. Evers, a C, Kelly, Tuahalamaka, Ross, Clay, Saletti. I think you could see all of those guys mixed in at some point on this defensive line. It wouldn't shock me. They've just got wealth of riches there. And then behind Lacey and Walter Scheid, Nobody can stop talking about Nathan Latou. Uh, right. <laughs> Including you. Yeah. So <laughs> I, if, if there, there's so many guys uh, are others in the mix, I think we've got. So let's, let's say, Desha- let's not count Deshaun Brown just since he's true freshman coming in, but Irby, Usman Hundley, Kapinski, Ross, Clay, Saletti, and Nathan Latou. Th- those are the third string guys we're talking about. Yeah. That loaded. there's just so many defensive linemen loaded that's awesome i mean dustin your your perception of the unit as a whole on the defensive side like do you agree with what i said that this is a this is a potentially big 12 championship winning defense like i i think that that first string is the best defense in this conference today baylor potentially somebody that to look out for there but i i still really like this roster yeah and i agree especially with what they have on the defensive line they can kind of set the tone up front yep I'm not going to be surprised, Cade, if there is one game early, maybe two games early, where they don't look amazing because of the lack of in-game reps from some of these guys that are coming in, your Cobb, your Kendall Daniels, even Corey Black and Muhammad Benson with Oklahoma State. I wouldn't be shocked if there was a couple games where you see some confusion, maybe some blown coverages, but... Overall, I think that's going to be a really solid defense. And talking about coverages, you mentioned the cornerbacks. Some other guys in the mix there. I am not I am not dead set on Beeman and Jones. Those were just the two guys I decided to throw in those spots. <laughs> you got Jordan Regan. You got Ray Gay, Kale Smith, Dylan McKinney, Cam Epps, Cam Smith. I, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those guys were the second string. Circle Dylan McKinney, though. I mean, we've talked about him on this show. Adam Lunt came on earlier this year. We t- talked about him as well. Um, could be one that uh, cracks that list. I could totally see that. 
Yeah. And then there's even more safe. We've listed six safeties and there's still guys like Kanayan Williams, Nick Session, mm. Ty Williams. All these guys are solid players who have seen the field. Kanayan Williams is like the captain of the special teams and has is a dominant force on special teams. So it would be nice to see him get some run at safety because we know he can play. But the, there's just so much depth. It's just there's not a lot of in-game reps because nobody really rotated out in the secondary last year. So, yeah, it's a good unit, man. I can't wait. I think outside of, I mean, I know how excited we are about Kendall Daniels. I think that secondary is so athletic and the, the front seven can cause enough pressure to where it's just, it's just at that point, athlete for athlete would be awesome. Like if, if, if the front seven was able to generate enough pressure consistently to where you just let the back, the back five, the back four, whatever you want to call it, whoever, whatever package they're rolling with at the time, uh, just run, they may be in really good shape as long as they don't get burnt. Like that's really all you're looking for. No, I completely agree. And I'm excited to see what Mason does up front. We may even see all three of those Leos out there with Tyler Lacey at some point. So That would be really interesting. But Kate and I will do another. We'll probably wait a little bit, but maybe into fall camp. But we'll do another depth chart preview prediction before the season starts. And that can be the one you grade us on. Yeah, I can't wait. The listeners grade us on. Great work there, Dustin. Appreciate that. Um, Real quick, we can run through a couple of recruiting notes before we move on to basketball. Uh, Wanted to flip that over to you, Dustin. Yeah, so Zane Flores finished up at the Elite 11. We talked about him possibly having a shot to finish in that final 11 ranking, the top 11 guys there. He did not. 247, though, kept him in. They had him, I believe, at number 10. There are a couple other outlets who had him ranked in that top 11, but the official rating did not have him in there. 247 had this to say about why they ranked him number 10. Flores was steady throughout the week and never left our top 11 following day one. He's one of those quarterbacks who just does a little of everything well, and there's still a lot of development left with him. He has a prototype 6'3", 190-pound frame, and will have no issue adding good weight. He can make throws in and out of the pocket, has a smooth, easy delivery, and throws a very catchable ball. Cade, the part of that that stands out to me is what you and I kept hitting on last week. Just the smooth, the smoothness, the easy delivery just seems calm and fluid in the pocket. I personally think from what I saw, the videos I saw, I watched a lot of the other guys too, that he was really close to cracking that top 11. I saw Sports Illustrated had him at like 15 out of the 20, but I I think he was a little bit close to the top 11. I think 247's ranking might have been a little little generous, but I think he was right on that verge. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's – it's nice to know that we're validated everything we saw in his film. You continue to hear about smoothness, but the thing that jumps out to me is like the line about him doing everything, a little bit of everything well. And that's what we saw out of him. Um, And I think that they can work with that. I mean, if, if, if he's that already solid in several different areas, I think he's a great prospect for Oklahoma state. And he can move enough. He's not like, I'm including that in the things that he does well. Like you've got to factor in mobility, pocket awareness, the ability to deliver a ball, smooth delivery. Like, I think that's, that's a lot. uh, And I don't know the last quarterback prospect that Oklahoma state recruited that might've been able to say like that, like does a little bit of everything except like, well, 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. But tough to see him not finish in the top 11, but it was awesome to see several outlets, including 247, say that he did really well. So yeah. that's awesome. Another note, Oklahoma State gets a commitment from Jelani McDonald. And are they going to right the potential wrongs of the last Jelani with this <laughs> Jelani? Dave, how many guys are they going to take that play quarterback in high school and have them play a different position? Well, I mean, the Connolly High School pipeline is running strong to Oklahoma State right now. Yeah, Corey Black, Trent Pullen, who's now at Abilene Christian, but was at Oklahoma State and transferred. They're recruiting Kobe Black, Corey's little brother, yep. who's a Waco Conley as well. So Jelani McDonald, they're recruiting as a defensive back. He's a 6'2", 190-pound, listed as an athlete because he's a guy who plays quarterback, held offers from OSU, Arkansas, Colorado State, SMU, Texas Tech. Does a lot of running, but Cade, I don't know how much you've watched on him. He actually throws a really good ball. He's not just a straight-up wildcat quarterback. He threw for almost 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns last season as a junior. Plays basketball. I believe he runs track as well. His dad, LaMarcus McDonald, was an All-American linebacker at TCU back in the early 2000s. I believe he visited in March and then came back on an official in June. Had a lot of good things to say about Tim Duffy, which we've seen a lot of these recruits really love Richmond. They really love Duffy. So it's awesome to have that come through. But you can't really break down his film as defensive back because he has not played any defense yet. He's going to be playing defense his senior season. He looks extremely athletic, though, and I can see why, why they want a 6'2", 190-pound yeah, no in their defensive backfield. Yeah, 100%. I, I love that breakdown. And um, the quarterback room, we've already talked about it. Like, it's not loaded today. But by the time Jelani McDonald steps on campus, they're going to have Garrett Rangel, Gunnar Gundy, and Zane Flores. So they're not in need of a quarterback prospect. And Jelani McDonald is, is one of those guys that it doesn't take a lot of imagination to see him blossoming on the defensive side, just purely based off his athletic ability. The, and that's a great point. The, the, the problem is, Kate, he's not ranked right now. He will get a ranking. I'm sure he'll be a three-star next week. But – that decommitment from Billy Walton has drastically yeah. hurt Oklahoma State's Big rankings time. due to due to the Jelani McDonald not being ranked. He doesn't really count towards it. So they are currently 52nd on two four seven. At one point they were in they were in the twenties eh. just not that long ago, and now they're 52nd. I wouldn't put too much stock on it. There's teams like. Notre Dame and 52 Arkansas is the new 45 and Baylor who have over 20 commits, which really boost your ranking. So by the time it's all said and done and in general, if Oklahoma state's class isn't ranked that high, they're probably only going to take like 16 guys. And you see some of these other schools already have over 20. They're probably not going to finish super highly ranked on two, four, seven. I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that. This class is going to be a little bit different with the COVID year with the big classes they've taken recently They've had two really good classes come in the past two years. So if this one is in the thirties or forties, I wouldn't, you know, the world's not on fire. Yeah. I, I love it. Dustin. Great breakdown as always. Appreciate you doing that before we take a break and get to basketball recruiting. I do want to take a break and hear a quick word from one of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. 
Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code Feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the Feels Like 45 podcast is Okay. Some big news for Oklahoma State basketball recruiting. I mean, we've talked about this particular guy on our podcast for weeks now. Brandon Garrison out of Dell City. Kind of a surprising announcement today kind of out of nowhere commits to Oklahoma State and that is not the direction that you and I kind of thought things may be headed in the last couple of weeks but I mean a massive win for Mike Boynton uh, as I mean Kansas was after him Virginia was after him there were a lot of big programs after this guy oh yeah he's the number one recruit on 247 out of Oklahoma yeah everybody it- wants him Oklahoma State needs to be getting the number one recruit out of Oklahoma every year. And Mike Boynton has done that with Brandon Garrison, the six foot nine big man, like you said, out of Dell City. His final schools, I believe, along with Oklahoma State, were Arkansas, Kansas, and Texas. If that tells you anything, like the schools you just listed off. Apparently, from all the quotes I've seen, his relationship and his parents' relationship with Mike Boynton is what separated Oklahoma State from everybody else. So, just kind of goes along with everything we've known, heard, seen about Mike Moynton and his ability to recruit. Kate, I think I, I don't want to end the convo on Brandon Garrison right here, but just wanted to throw this out there. I think they're about to get a commitment from his travel teammate, Trent Pierce, here I in think a couple they, weeks. I think they are too, and I was going to call that out. So nice job. Brandon Garrison, though, is one of those guys. Right, I mean, right now, Rivals has him at, what, like 63 I, I think – Yeah, 247, I think he's 55 or something. I really do think by the end of the year, he's going to be fringe top 25 type player. Like he – just kind of like Zane Flores, just like we broke him down. He does everything really like well, well enough. And I do think the word has kind of been that he's been working on his perimeter game and like the 15-foot and in and adding a three-point jumper to the mix. I mean, he's going to be – I mean, they say 6'9", 205, I've told you, he's really 7'4", 250. He's just a big kid. And I think based on, you know, his core skill set being rim running, defending, he's a lengthy athlete, plus adding a jump shot. Man, I think they're getting somebody that's that's going to be close to the complete package coming in. Oh, I 100% agree. Everything you've seen about him, read about him, is that he looks better Every time yeah. he hits the floor, every, every time someone writes about him, they say he looks better. He looked better than he did last time I saw him big time shot blocker. He's a guy that just changes the game with his ability to block shots and just alter shots in the middle. He's already got, like you mentioned, uh, uh, some of a low post game on the offensive end. He just needs to kind of continue developing his skill set on the offensive side of the ball. But he, 
there's no question to his motor and his work ethic. It's one of the things everybody writes about. It sounds like he's just a hard worker who always working on his game, basketball junkie, any of the buzz, buzzwords you want to use there. Also, he was a member of the USA Basketball U18 yep. team that Mike, Bo- Mike Boynton was an assistant co- coach for. So that's helped out as well with, uh, with his recruitment, it seems. He averaged six points, four rebounds, and an assist, helping the USA bring home the gold there. I just think this is a huge pickup, big time four star prospect. Like I said, number one guy at Oklahoma. If you can get Trent Pierce as well, I don't think you have to take anybody else. And this is an insanely good class. I couldn't agree more. I do think they're about to get a commitment from Trent Pierce. Um, And that was really our next topic was that he just named Oklahoma state to his top six. But I think this is coming, and I think it's it's been in the works. Trent Pierce is also a late riser in this class. Some have called him one of the best pure shooters in this class. I mean, six seven wing, he's a he's a very interesting prospect, and is another one that I could see rising way up the list. He did transfer to Compass Prep in Chandler, Arizona, so he was with Team Griffin. Now is at Compass Prep uh, for his senior year of college ball. And because of that, fully expect him to, to rise up the rankings even more than he already has. Another undertone I want to throw at you, Dustin. David Castillo is a five-star point guard out of Bartlesville, and he's in the 2023 class. He is also on Team Griffin, and he's the year below uh, Trent Pierce and Brandon Garrison. And David Castillo right now is the number 14 player in that class. And so would be like a Bryce Thompson, Cade Cunningham caliber of recruit. He's, he's 2024. He's 2024. I thought he was 2023. I'm sorry. I believe he's 2024, but there's talk of him reclassing to 2023. Maybe I had already uh, dreamed that in my head because I had him at 2023, but thank you for saying that because yeah, he is 2024. My bad. All this does is solidify that pipeline with Team Griffin. And I don't know if you saw it, underneath Brandon Garrison's commitment post was David Castillo with an oh my and three, like, you know, the monkey hiding their eyes emojis. Take that for what it's worth, but those things matter a little bit when you're talking oh, about yeah. basketball recruiting. So um, thank you for calling that out. I had him in 2023 for some he reason. He may reclass to 2023, though. Well, so regardless, that would be phenomenal. I mean, I think this is a really good. Oh, and I'm sorry. We are in the 2023 class. So he is the class behind Brandon Garrison. So we're all I'm, my whole timelines are off here. Forgive me. I, <laughs> it, I'm going to blame this on Southwest Airlines. I got home at 3 a.m. last night. So I'm blaming that one on Southwest. Dustin, though, any thoughts there? I mean, David Castillo, that's a sneaky um, storyline to all of this. Yeah, no, that, that was great call out by you and Trent Pierce his his six along with Oklahoma State is Mizzou Florida Minnesota Illinois and OU I think I think OSU is is going to win this battle I I would give it like a 75 80 percent confidence I know Cade and I's confidence rankings took a hit with Courtney Ramey but if you're able to get two guys in the top what 80 on 247 in the 2023 class that is absolutely insane. And two Oklahoma guys. I know, like you said, Trent Pierce transferred to Arizona, but he's a Tulsa Union guy, transferred for his senior year. And then to come back and get a five-star guy out of Bartlesville like Castillo, just the, the Oklahoma, being able to get these top Oklahoma guys 
like number one guys in the state is just amazing. And the fact that they're also top 100 guys in the country is great. It looks good for just recruiting overall in Oklahoma. And I think these guys are all really, really good players. Well, and it's, it's fun to think about too, that there's a certain coach about 90 miles South of Stillwater, who's just getting his feet wet, trying to get in the door with some of these recruits and is probably <laughs> not feeling much success locally due to the, the uh, genuine relationships that Mike Boynton has built at Oklahoma state. Like I would imagine that those are some frustrating nights for Porter Moser as he's getting, I mean, he's going to land some local kids. There's no doubt about it. Um, but it seems like Mike Boynton's got Oklahoma kind of locked down right now. Yeah. And I, yeah, you're a hundred percent right on that. Getting a, getting a Castillo Garrison and Pierce gets you a point guard, a wing and a center. That's, that's just pretty amazing also. Yeah, 100%. Well, Dustin, before we get to questions, I do want to take a quick break and say thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469 757 0290 on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley spelled B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. Price, thank you for your support of the Feels Like 45 podcast. And Dustin, I will flip it over to you, sir. I think we have a few questions this week. Yeah, just a few. No, no audio. A um, little disappointed, actually, overall on the listeners for the amount of questions this week. But no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we appreciate you guys sending them in. Uh, so the first one is from Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. Corbett, thank you. you. You've been pretty consistent sending questions. They're always good. And I like this one. What would you guys like to see on the new turf? And so what Corbett is referencing, I don't know if you saw, if you didn't see the tweets out this week, but Oklahoma State is redoing their turf. We mentioned last week that they, they finished the practice facility. They're moving to Boone Pickett Stadium now, laying down the new turf. So he's asking what we would like to see kind of logo-wise on the end zone, at midfield, you know, kind of all around the field. Cade, what, what are your thoughts on that? I don't want it to look like the softball stadium where there's a thousand logos rolling around. <laughs> I, I like the script and I like the brand. But I think that's the whole reason you saw like the Marshall badge go away is because you start having too many logos and scary Pete's and like it just gets a little convoluted and you don't really know <laughs> what your logo is. So I want black end zones with a white cursive Cowboys and the orange trim around it. And I want the brand in the middle. But I think that's all you need. Yeah, I like I like that as well. I wouldn't mind maybe two, two peat heads sprinkled, sprinkled out the field, but I like the black. Like you're saying, I definitely want the curse of Cowboys in the end zones. I think I'm fine with black or orange, but yeah, I, I think I agree with great. you that the, I think orange I agree fades. with you that the black, yeah, I think I agree with you that the black is probably a better option there, but I think both of us are on team curse of Cowboys. Oh, I will be disappointed if it's not there. And I think a lot of people actually would be a lot of people invested in this new turf. What would you think if they also went with Curse of Cowboys at midfield instead of the brand? Is that too much Curse of Cowboys? I think that would I think that would be disappointing because the yeah. brand, like we I love the brand. We just heard Mike Gundy tell the entire world that we've got a logo too. And the logo is the Oklahoma State brand. The logo is not Curse of Cowboys. 
What if instead, you know how Tennessee has their kind of checker in zone? Mm. What if it's, what if it's that, but inside the squares, it's regular Pete and then phantom Pete or all the Pete's would just look like a big old checkerboard. That would be with actual checkers on it. That would be bad, Dustin. All right. <laughs> it, would look like a, it would look like a bad tablecloth. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could get you there. So, but uh, no, Corbett, thanks for that. I mean, Love I'll follow question. you into the black. You know that, but that was not a good one. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what they do. I think it's going to be Curse of Cowboys. There. I think so too. Okay, next we've got Weston at CW Mason 92. Weston, thanks for the question. Is this the year we have two two loss teams in the conference championship? Mm. I honestly, if maybe. <laughs> is this the year? That would imply that this is the year that the top of the Big 12 has been the weakest. I could see that. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I'm not going to predict it. I think either Oklahoma State or Baylor are going to have one loss going to, into that game. But if I had to pick, yes, this would be the most likely year for that to happen. Yeah, whoever wins that early Oklahoma State-Baylor game, I think that's going to springboard them with some momentum to kind of go on a little run. Yeah, I just – I think the top half of the big 12, I'm sorry, Dustin, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I think, I think the top five is good enough to where you could make a case to every one of them could be in in Dallas at the end of the year. Um, I don't think you could say that every other year where it's Oklahoma and somebody else. Like I don't, I don't, I could really see that both teams having two losses. I could even see a three loss team getting in too. You hope that's not the case. I don't want the big 12 to cannibalize itself, but if that means, Oh, uh, you and Texas don't get in, then that would be great. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because it, it is, you know, most years there's OU is the season kind of running away with it. They've won the conference a bunch. This year it's a little bit different because of all the movement, not just players, but coaches, newcomers coming in. Oklahoma State looks good again. Baylor looks good. Aranda has done a great job there yep. with them kind of getting them to this point. And you, you've got like wild cards, like tech. I don't think Texas is back, but you've got Texas who could, could be in the mix. And then you've got media giving Iowa state a first place vote. So it's just going to be a little all over the place, I think. So I think that's a good call by Weston with that call out of two, two lost teams. Yeah, in there. I, I like that I too. See that happening. I like that too. All right. I think this is our last one for this week, unless I'm missing one. Yes, I think it is. So we've got Brian Metcalf. He sent us a graphic as well. He says, hey, kids, Sanders was the obvious choice for the preseason first team, but I think it's Dylan Gabriel's to lose when the end of the season awards are announced. If Sanders can at least maintain his averages, do you think he could steal that postseason first team QB? Personally, I think it's I think it's Sanders to lose, and you know I've said that on this podcast. You've got like you've got guys like Martinez, Duggan, JT Daniels, Shapen, who we saw play really well in the Big Twelve Championship game. These are all talented guys, and Quinn Ewers at Texas, who's kind of an unknown right now. But I don't know how you could say it's any of theirs to lose over Spencer Sanders, who's coming back off a year where we've talked about it. And I know you can't do this; it's a what if, but. You take out those two Baylor games, it was an insane season from Sanders. 100%. And nobody, 
nobody has the ability to run the football like he does. I don't even think in the entire like he's he's up there as probably the best or one of the best running quarterbacks. Not speed. I'm talking about pure ability as a runner of the football in the nation. Yeah, I I think it's absolutely Spencer Sanders to lose. I think Dylan Gabriel is a candidate in that regard, but he would be the next. And I think it would be because Spencer didn't, doesn't show improvement in, in taking care of the ball. And that's even tough to say because he did show improvement in it last year. It really was just Baylor that he struggled against. And I, I expect him to clean that up. We've talked about it. So I think it's Spencer Sanders and there's a lot of people talking about like, he didn't even deserve the top spot. He deserved the top spot he got last year and he absolutely deserves it going into this year. And you just need to watch the games and stop letting Twitter tell you what, what to think about him. Because I feel like that's kind of the prevailing opinion of Spencer Sanders is driven by what we've seen way back in the past when last year was a great season. Last year was great outside of Baylor and he just did it at the worst time. Yeah. And I, I love Brian's call out, you know, comparing and the graphics he put up. If you guys want to check them out on our Twitter, it was in a response to uh, the questions tweet we sent out earlier today. So if you want to go check that out, Brian did some nice work there he really with, did. Some, uh, with some spreadsheets, but I, I love the call out, but I, I don't know how it isn't Sanders title and kind of award to lose at this, at this point. And I think I personally think he will end up in that spot at season's end. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I completely agree with you. And Brian actually did a nice breakdown of Spencer versus Gabriel. He sent it over to us in our mentions. So it's a nice job there. But yeah, I think it's Spencer's. Yeah, I agree. Okay, is that it? Yeah, I think that's all. So next week, Cade, I'll go ahead and tease, but we are going to start our season preview bringing some guests on from other teams we're going to try to hit our kind of more intriguing teams in the big 12 the teams that most people have ranked near the top we're going to go with baylor texas k-state ou and tcu to start things off and if we have time we're going to try to also hit iowa state maybe another team in there but that's probably all we'll be able to get to and next week we're going to have our first guest on to preview Baylor. So that will wait. be that will be a lot of fun. Look for that next week. We're going to try to record on Tuesday. If there's no scheduling conflicts, we'll come back the next week with a guest we've got locked in for TCU. And then Cade and his brother will do K-State. If you didn't know, Cade's brother Cameron is a K-State grad, along with being a big-time OSU fan. Biggest, so they, second biggest Oklahoma State fan I know. Is that kid yes. right there behind yeah, me? So they, but he knows, he knows quite a bit about K-State football as well, so they'll do that breakdown while I am out of town. So we've got three weeks coming at you with some previews. We haven't scheduled awesome. the other ones yet, but we'll get those on our calendar. So I think you guys will like it a lot. We're trying to get some guys who kind of focus on football, know some X's and O's, so I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think it'll be exciting because these are probably people that you know uh, and, and have heard from in the past. So it'll be exciting. Dustin, really pumped about what we've got coming down the pipe. I did want to throw one thing out at you. OU, OU is getting dragged on Twitter right now uh, for this new saying that they have dirty, hard work done in the dark. I mean, they're getting dragged oh. nationally for this. Um, and I just, <laughs> your reaction right there said enough. Yeah. That, you just uh... said, oh, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brent Venables tweeted that as a hashtag yesterday. Now it's a graphic on their Twitter. And that's um, such a long hashtag. I don't know why they thought that that would go well. Um, Brent no, took it's... the social media. That must be it. The 55 year old guy took the social. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I feel like you could get arrested for even saying that. So <laughs> you should arrest the, arrest the content creators. All right, Dustin, looking forward to next week. Thanks for a great breakdown. Glad you had a great fourth. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.